0: Again, good to see you all here this morning in this, uh, in this new space. And uh, I just want to thank all those who have worked so hard to transition out of uh, the auditorium into here, into the next-gen hall, and p- uh, particularly those who were here last Sunday and uh, getting everything out and in here. And it was a huge effort. And uh, I'm super, super appreciative of all that that you have done. Have you ever had one of those uh, awkward moments where there's a family member or a friend who's getting married and you're waiting for the invitation to come in the mail and it never kind of comes. Have you ever had one of those those times? Anyone? Just Mark. All right. (laughs) I mean, I've experienced that myself. You know, weddings, weddings can be a bit like this because it's a difficult reality, isn't it, that when we're planning a wedding, there's a lot of people we want to have there, but there's a limit, and there's a point where you have to say, well, we probably can't have more than X amount of people there, and so some people who perhaps thought they might come to that, that wedding reception didn't get the invite that they were expecting. It's a hard decision that you have to make. Now, as a pastor, I do have the privilege of getting invited to... Uh, a lot of weddings that maybe I wouldn't have been invited to uh, if I wasn't a pastor. And that, that's, a, uh, that's a real blessing for me. And there's been the odd moment as well where I've noted someone has shown up with the invitation to the ceremony thinking that they have the invitation to the reception. And then there's that awkward moment of realisation when they realise that they're, uh, they're not actually part of that one as well. And uh, if you haven't ever seen that done, you don't, want, you don't want to see that, actually, to be honest. But we're in a series called Parables That Change Me. And today's, actually, today's parable is about a wedding reception, a feast, actually, and an invitation. So we're going to read it together to get started. Matthew 22, uh, starting at verse 2. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were, who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them. This is what they told them. The feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went on their own way, one to his farm another to his business. Others... "'seized his messengers, insulted them, and killed them. "'The king was furious, and he sent out his army "'to destroy the murderers and burn their towns. "'And he said to his servants, "'The wedding feast is ready, "'and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honour. "'Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see.' "'So the servants brought in everyone they could find, "'good and bad alike.' And the banquet hall was filled with guests. Filled with guests. That's the title of my sermon today. Now the context here, in case you're unsure, is the message Jesus, he was giving it to his people in his time in history. You know, his, his brothers and sisters, the, the Jews and the, and the Jewish leaders. While Jesus was always coming to save the whole world, he was a Jew. And his new covenant and kingdom was to start with them. Now, if you read the Gospels, you'll see that in the main, his own people said no to the vision that he brought to save the world. Mostly the leaders, mind you, they didn't believe he was the Messiah. He he came and he challenged their views of what God's kingdom really was about. So they rejected him and his message of repentance and salvation that was to come to them first and then to all people. You know, he poured out miracles over and over again to say, it's me, I'm the one, I'm the Messiah. He was the long-awaited one, and the invitation was now to go out. But as the parable says in verse 5, the guests that he had invited ignored him and went on their own way. Not all the Jews refused the invitation, of course. He certainly had followers and disciples that were uh, from from the Jewish community, but certainly the, the religious leaders in the whole in, well, mostly re- rejected what he said. They made it really hard for anyone that was going to follow him in his way. So Jesus went, went direct. He went direct to the world. That's what it says in verse 9 in this parable. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. The parable paints... Another picture of God's kingdom. And that's why we've been doing these parables for the last few weeks because that's the way Jesus helps us to get a good picture of what his kingdom really is about. I can't help notice that the gathering of the kingdom is not boring. Often, it has a kind of a celebration feel to it. Like, sometimes there's even a party-like atmosphere. Just like right now. (laughs) <laughs> there's, a, there's a celebration to it There's a feast for starters I mean, who likes a good feast? Come on Yeah But clearly, close friendships and celebrations together Are at the heart of the kingdom That's why he, he, he gives us that picture It's a wedding feast And wedding feasts are supposed to be good They're supposed to be times of celebration We've got something really unique that we want to celebrate together as the church, as his kingdom. And Jesus is at the the head of the table, of that celebration table. We're celebrating who he is, what he's done. We're celebrating uh, who we are in him. We're celebrating what he's accomplished in us and around us, the new life that he's given us. We should be celebrating that. And And the victory that we're having over our old life, we're celebrating each other we're celebrating births and weddings. We even celebrate, alongside of our deep grief, when someone heads off to heaven. We're celebrating our personal victories and triumphs in life over addictions, over sin, over you know when when we when we beat anger, when we beat those bad attitudes, when we uh, when a, the prejudice that's maybe in our hearts towards certain people, we get victory over that. You know, when, we, when hate leaves us and love fills our heart instead. When we have those wins, we celebrate. That's why we, we have reasons to be happy together. You know, we celebrate sal- salvations and baptisms. When, when God answers prayers, and even when He doesn't, we celebrate. We celebrate because no matter what happens, it's well with my soul. Is that a reason to celebrate, church? There are many reasons. There are many seasons to celebrate. And that's why we sing songs of thanksgiving. And that's why we express joy through music. But we don't just come and celebrate. We're here to encourage each other, to support each other, to lift each other, to pick up those who maybe fall, to love those who are in pain or in suffering, to pray and care for those who are sick or in times of loss, to be that listening ear, to lend a hand, to give generously. This is, you know, God trying to paint this picture of his church, and all these parables that we're learning. But there's a celebration atmosphere. It's all those things, being in God's kingdom. There's a lot of things to enjoy and to feast on, quite frankly. Another thing I noticed when we were reading that passage just then is that um, the kingdom has an invitation to all people, to everyone. It's inclusive of all people. Everyone gets an invitation. Amen? The thing about this room, church, is that it's, it's not as lively as the old one. And so I need like a little bit more noise in the space. I'm going to bring the kids back in if we can't do this, all right? But I notice that everyone gets an invitation. So verse 10, just to remind you. The servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests, So while the original intent of this parable is the Jews at the time rejecting their invitation, we can draw a very clear principle from this about God's heart for people today and for the church, the kingdom invitation. And therefore the church, in my opinion, is inclusive and diverse. It's not exclusive because he said everyone they could find. Everyone that they could find is what Jesus said. And I guess this is the parables that changed me a bit in my sermon, okay? Okay. Because I've always been keen for the church to be open and reach everyone. And I admit, it took a lady by the name of Mary Ann to really bring a change in me to discover what that everyone bit was all about and what it really meant. This is where, for me, it moved me from just kind of saying it, but living it. Many of you know or knew Mary Ann, and she sadly has passed away now. But Mary Ann arrived here at Hills uh, years ago through our op shop ministry, and, and the people in the op shop did a beautiful job of loving her for who she is. The church also did a great job of walking, welcoming her in and, and her daughter, Katrina. And Katrina sometimes still, still visits us, by the way. But Mary Ann obviously had a very troubled background. The more I got to know her, the more that was revealed. There was obvious addictions to many things, alcohol and drugs... There was horrible stories of abuse and assault in her life. There was really deep struggles with finances. There was often issues with accommodation. Um, There were struggles with self-care. You know, social skills probably weren't quite where we, we would perhaps be. But she couldn't help but love Marianne. You know, she was always the first to the altar at the end of every service, week in, week out, Beeline to me or to someone else. She just she trusted in God. She learnt to trust Jesus. Sometimes you had to put boundaries in place with Marianne. She would have many moments of crisis. There's a few late night calls for help. There was many many hospital visits. Many people here sacrificed even more than I did to help her and support her. There were times that I found it hard. But she taught me something. She taught me that the love of Jesus and therefore his church extended to everyone. Like for real. Even when it was hard and costly, even when people are really different to me. But over time I realized that she was a gift to me and this church to all of us. We did wonder sometimes in the office if Marianne was an angel that God sent just to teach us. The key word though is everyone. And I think most of us here today would embrace that idea. But I want to just stretch this a little bit because we've got to think about what everyone means. We, we live in, on the north side of Brisbane. It, it can be somewhat of a, a monocultural, middle-class part of Brisbane, and that's okay. That doesn't make us bad people. That's where we are. But I think we're going to increasingly be stretched. We have to ensure that we're good at not just w- welcoming people who are like us, but a more diverse group of people into God's church because I think that's the picture that's painted here. Everyone. And by diverse. God says, everyone. God's kingdom is diverse. Firstly, in ethnicity. The north side of Brisbane is playing catch-up on this, but you'll notice that more and more there is diverse groups of people around us. And, and this is an opportunity for us, but we have to actually think and be, be aware. It's not just up to the cultures who arrive here who need to understand our culture and and integrate. And, And that is very important, and we help with that. But as people of God's kingdom who have developed a heart for people like Jesus has, we have that same heart for different people in different cultures. We have to do the hard work of cultural awareness so that we can better know how to love people like God does. The second thing is diverse in age. And actually, I think as a church we do a pretty good job of that. We care for all ages. And you know what? The, ho- the older I get, the more I realize I do actually have to sacrifice things that I like about the church for the younger people. And I want to do that. The third thing is diverse in belief. And just stay with me on this one. Don't, don't get concerned. I'm not talking about compromising uh, on anything, any of our doctrine or teaching or the word. You know, those things are locked in. But what I mean is that everyone is welcome to come and hear about the truth of Jesus. And that means anyone is welcome to be part of this family while they make that journey, no matter how long it takes. They're included because the invitation is for everyone. The fourth thing is people who have a a diverse way of living or expression of lifestyle. Again, stay with me, but the key is that all people matter and are invited. All people, no matter how they dress or how they live, Married or de facto, living together or not, heterosexual or homosexual. Now, I 100% believe God's way, as given through his word, is the best way and the right way for all people. So we're pointing people to, to that. But we don't condemn or judge or reject. We love, accept, pray, teach and believe that, that the Holy Spirit, God's word and our witness will lead people to his plan for them. Is there an Amen. All are invited. Warmly. The parable says everyone gets an invitation, good or bad, it said, good and bad. So while the parable was aimed at the Jewish, perhaps even the religious leaders in particular, there's a lesson for us, a principle for us to take about God's heart for all people because the church can at times slip into that attitude, that same attitude that those Jewish leaders had a little bit, you know, they were exclusive We can become judgmental and condemning if we're not careful. We can become too sure of ourselves. We can become legalistic. We can get way too comfortable. The invitation is to all people. All people, I've underlined it in my notes, all people. Even the ones that are different to us, Jesus died for them like he died for us. How can we not extend that same invitation and love like he did for us? Remember the scripture that... uh, But Paul says that he died for us while we were still sinners. There are very, very few reasons for a church to exclude someone. Generally, it's a last resort because someone's harming people. you know, Trying to deliberately divide, perhaps, or something like that. And even then, we have to find a way to do grace and love. But there's a beautiful picture in this parable of an invitation into God's kingdom for all people. And the church should reflect that picture. It's an open invitation. We should be bigger than just those who have been walking with God for a long time. I've used this illustration once before, but I kind of like it, so I'm going to use it again. But when I was, a, when I was young, my neighbours put in an above-ground pool. We didn't have one. So even an above-ground pool was pretty good, right? But what I couldn't understand was that next to this pool, they put a little shower in, like an outdoor shower. And my, my, my best mate who lived next door, his mum said to me, Nathan, to get in the pool, you have to take a shower. And as a young fella, this made no sense. <laughs> because there is a lot of water in that pool. And I felt like it could cope with a little bit of whatever was on me. And that's the parallel I want to draw to the church. I think too often we think people have to clean up and take a shower before they get to the church. And I can understand why people would feel that way. But there's plenty of water. (laughs) There's plenty of water. There's plenty of God and Holy Spirit for a little bit of dirt to come in the door. Let's face it, we're all jumping in the pool a little bit dirty, aren't we? But we have the blood of Jesus to wash us clean. At any given time, we should see many of these sorts of diverse people groups I just talked about and others I haven't thought of in the church. And you know what? Sometimes we do. And sometimes we don't. But the parable doesn't end there. We've got to keep moving to do it justice. So verse 11. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Now stay with me because that might be confusing about what I've just been saying. Friend, he asked, how is it that you were here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him out into utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. It kind of feels like it's in contradiction to what I've just been telling you, but it's not. The parallels for the church being open to all people ends when we get to the wedding feast. While the church has the job to invite and love everyone, there's a very important requirement to actually be in God's kingdom. All are invited, but only those who say yes to the marriage proposal, so to speak, join The ultimate reception, feast. The wedding feast is actually a celebration of a new relationship that we have. It's a new covenant. The invitation is to a new relationship with God himself and all the promises and inheritance and benefits that come with that relationship. But only the righteous can be in a relationship with God. Romans 3 says that no one is righteous. Not even one. And this is the point of the man not wearing the wedding clothes. His own righteousness, he tried to get in with just his own righteousness, but it doesn't work like that. It won't unite you with God. No one is righteous, not even one. He has an invitation. He has an invitation. But you can't join the wedding feast until you do one really important thing. You've got to get the wedding clothes. Not through anything we can do. It's through Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the wedding clothes. You can be made right with God today, in full relationship with him. The way is to generously accept Jesus as your Lord, to say yes to that invitation seek his forgiveness for sin in your life change your life that's that's repent and follow him when we ask Jesus to be our Lord his righteousness becomes ours that's the clothes that we put on his righteousness becomes ours and that's what God sees when he sees us the invitation to the wedding feast is for everyone It doesn't matter your position in society, your wealth, your history, your background. The wedding feast is where God wants you. But to accept the invitation, you've got to accept Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, you can't sneak in with the wrong clothes on. No one can come to the Father except through me. Everyone is invited. This morning, I want to invite you if you've never said yes. To say yes to Jesus and the invitation he's given you. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for a beautiful picture of your love for all people. And your love extends to each one so much that you would rather die than not be in relationship. You would rather die than not have people at the wedding feast. So God, we say yes this morning. We say yes to your invitation. Church, just as we sit here with our eyes closed and heads bowed, if you've been been walking away from the Lord, I want to invite you just to say yes because there's a wedding reception that you were invited to. You've never said that, church, this morning, that you've never said yes to Jesus. I encourage you to do that now, just quietly in your own heart. Admit your need. Believe in who he is. Commit today. Lord, I pray for your church as we see a a picture of invitation that goes to everybody in this world. I pray for Hills Church, God, that we would have open hearts like you do. All people, everyone, embraced, loved, on the journey with us, God, seeking you more and more. Pray, Lord, that your church will be a, a reflection of your kingdom in heaven, on earth.